Hello, everyone. Welcome to Job Jumpers. Uh, today on the program, I have my new pal, Joe. Uh, Joe, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Nice. Thanks for taking the time out to uh, talk with me. You know, I, I uh, really appreciate it. No worries. I'm uh, uh, excited to talk about all the uh, terrible jobs I've quit. Nice. Yes, that that's that's uh, the energy that I that that I love to see. Um, yeah, I I mean, it's it's uh, I'm I'm actually in the position right now where I'm like on the verge of quitting another job. So I'm kind of in the in in, in like that mind frame of like, oh, what do I jump to? You know, I'm like trying to. Uh, pull all my options and like get interviews set up. Um, it's always like a kind of kind of a scary uh, transition process, but um, it usually works out more or less. Yeah, I mean it's absolutely can be very stressful. Um, uh, I, I've been lucky at least the last like ten, fifteen years. Um, to be mostly working in construction, so it's that that industry is a lot more pick it up, put it down type of thing. You know, yeah. like it's not it's not unheard of to get into a screaming match with like the owner of the company you work for and quit, and then like <laughs> call them up months or a year later and just get hired back. Nice, and, like, yeah. Pretend like it never really happened. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I I haven't personally done that, but I've definitely seen other people do that. Yeah, that, that's that's you know pretty funny because because I feel like in in what I'm doing now you know now, and even when I was working in hotels you know I'm I'm kind of doing like receptionist administrative assistant work now, um, but worked in hotels for a long long time I, I think you know with, with a few exceptions that's that's pretty much unheard of just because there's so much corporate uh, red tape around you know terminating people. Um. So to start us off, I uh, like to start with with this question that everybody gets asked all the time, uh, you know, family functions, job events, uh, you know, wh- whenever you're meeting a new person that you're that that you're kind of somewhat familiar with, you're making small talk, you're doing chit chat, you talk about the weather. And after the weather is 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 dealt with, they move on. They ask you, "Oh, you know, what do you do?" And they're 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 trying to get you know your job. They they want to find out what you do for work, what you do for a living. Um, and there's all these things that I want to say that that have nothing to do with what I do for work that I feel like are more important. Um, so. Joe, taking work out of the equation, I just wanted to ask you, what do you do? Um, I would say taking work out of the equation. I'm an artist. Uh, I, I I work with stoneware, clay pottery. I work with uh, steel, scrap art, and I am a photographer. So oh. those are those are my main like passion pursuits in life. Yeah. But also like uh, I guess photography is not quite in line with that. But those other two things are. Uh, I like to build stuff. You know, I. I I make my steel sculptures. I make my my clay mugs and bowls and stuff. And and in my day job, I build buildings. And yeah. So it's kind of in line, yeah. but um, it's also like the those other two things, pottery and and scrap art. 
you know, if I could turn them into production, I could maybe make a living from it, but then it becomes a job yep. instead of the way for me to kind of decompress and not be stressed about things. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the age old dilemma. Um, you know, it's like, will, will I fall out of love with, with my passion if I commodify it? Um, you know, is it worth a shot? And then also it's like, I, I mean, for for uh, pottery and and sculpting, you know, it, it it seems to me like it's it's like very much, um, you know, you put a lot of like care into it, and and you know, it's finely crafted, and so it's like, well, at what point are you like turning you know yourself into a production line, you know, and and kind of losing that that special thing um with the work that you're making so so yeah i mean that that's that's a uh that's that's a tricky one it's a tricky one but i i do see the through line for you with uh you know construction and then your uh your your passions because it's you know working with your hands uh creating new things i think uh you know, at least you get some sort of satisfaction out of your day job, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot better when when you have a free hand to just kind of do what you want to do. Like, mm -hmm. like I just quit my most recent job where I was doing a lot of uh, carpentry work, um, a lot of like uh, rot repair. You know, so going in and pulling rotten two by fours out and, and reframing walls mm, or, okay. or or flooring systems. And I quit that job and like a few days later I'm I'm using two by fours that that might have fallen off the back of the truck at this <laughs> most recent job to build a build a shelf in my house and, and it's just a completely different experience because I'm deciding how the shelf is gonna be built. Yeah. You know, I have all the time in the world to get it done my way. You know, I my dog's at home so I can hang out with my dog while I'm doing it. Like it's just all these conditions that are different from my typical work day where like I'm working in somebody's condo on the 17th floor of a building. And like, if I, if I knock a, a, a copper plumbing fitting a little too hard with a piece of drywall, I'm going to flood out like 17 floors of units yeah. because there's no unit shut off. And the, and the condo resident is standing behind me watching every move I make. And like, I'm on a deadline. It's got to be done today. Like it's completely different, even though the task I'm doing, is very similar like it's so many jobs i didn't quit the work i quit the conditions of the work 100 percent, yeah um the environment and those you know pressures from either the the customer or management or whatever um they they change your experience so drastically like you know, I, I do, you know, genuinely love the idea of hospitality and, and, and meeting people and helping people and, uh, you know, it, it, it was very, very rewarding for me for, you know, a long time, uh, getting to know, you know, the ins and outs of, of that kind of industry and like, you know, getting good at like being a good hotelier, I guess. Um, and well, obviously some, some guests, customers, um, are, can be total, total nightmares. Uh, it's, it's not the norm 
and you 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 can have good experiences that will like really out out uh, weigh the 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 bad ones um and to you know it's it's all the other things all the the extraneous bullshit that that makes the job bad you know it, it is the the boss looking over your shoulder you know it is um being timed and surveilled you know it's all these things that like make something that can be you know a kind of uh sustainable and fun even um it it, you know turns it into very stressful and uh pressure filled environment and and i think that's that's a huge reason that i've i've left a lot of jobs is just because it was just it, it, it just was not right it didn't serve me um so let's invert that question a little bit here and uh i want to know what you say when people just straight out ask you what do you do for a living i say i'm a carpenter because that's been the the bulk of my career from like starting out as a as a child laborer for my parents' construction company okay. uh, up through now. Most of what I've done has been framing out walls and ceilings and soffits in, in buildings. Nice. So like, I started with um, uh, cold form steel studs, which are used in a lot of commercial and uh, multi-tenant apartment construction. Instead of wood two by fours, it's a uh, you know, stamped sheet metal that's formed into like a stud, usually like a C-channel okay. um, basis. And then that fits into track at the top and bottom of a wall. And you can build like soffits and stuff to hang down from ceilings to hide the mechanical and electrical of a oh, all, okay. building. All right. So like I've done a lot of restaurants, a lot of a lot of office buildings. I've split up, you know, the the big open floors of office buildings into little cubicles and offices for people to grow to hate. Yeah. Stuff like that. <laughs> um yeah, so that's been most of my careers. That's Carpenter a good answer. One. Carpenter is a pretty impressive answer. You know, it's it's like, hey, uh, Jesus did that. That's yeah, I mean, some people, <laughs> some people still sometimes think it means I do carpet, which oh, okay. actually, <laughs> I've done very little carpet stretching in my career because most people want to rip carpet out and replace it with something better. Yeah, yeah, I uh, can imagine. My my grandfather was actually a carpet salesman. Um, and so like some of my earliest memories are like being down in my grandparents' basement and just like, you know, touching all the, like all the carpet samples that he had and like from work. Um, it's very strange. Uh, anyways, do you consider yourself a job jumper? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I've, I've gotten to the point now where I'll just quit a job after like a month if it sucks. Yeah. I know, I know the red flags immediately, like, uh, not this last job, but the one right before it, I quit after like two and a half months. Um, cause I just knew immediately the place was just chaos mm-hmm. and the, the pay was way too low for the, for the kind of work we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I, I don't think that makes you flaky or unreliable or whatever. I just think you know what you want and like, you're, you're smart enough to know when, you know, it's not a good fit. Uh, I, I have always thought like the, the advice that, you know, parents or teachers give, you know, kids like, Oh, you know, stay at the job for a year. Try, you know, try it out for a year and, and, 
you know, see if you like it. And then after a year, you can quit and, and, and go on your resume, whatever. Um, but that's a fucking, that's a whole year of your life. Like that, that's yeah. insane to stay at a place you hate for a whole year. I've definitely fallen into that trap earlier, earlier in my life and stayed at some places way too long. Some of it was with necessity because I just, I, I just needed the money. Of course. And like a steady paycheck is a sure thing. Like, it's, you know, you're going to be able to keep the job or at least I've usually been able to. Yeah. Um, but it just sucks. Um, yeah. The pay absolutely. and you know, you're getting underpaid is that's, that's yes. usually the, main, the worst part for me. Yeah. It's, it, it is. Cause I, I can usually do the math of like what the clients are paying, what our costs are, you mm. know, and cause you mm. know, there's payroll tax and stuff like that. But, and mm. then there's like material, but it's pretty easy to do the math and be like, wow, they're, they're making a lot of money off. my work. <laughs> Yeah. And that, that's super disheartening. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, when what you know, when you're you're not making enough money, and you're maybe just making just enough to get by, it's like, well, I can't really be out of work for any stretch of time, and yeah, it, it's it it's it sucks to be stuck like that. Um, so let's let's go back to the beginning, um, if you don't mind, and you know, we can we can kind of focus on whatever you want to focus on but i i like to start at the very beginning and uh just hear from you your your job jumping story um gee i guess uh we'll start with my my early career because those were the ones that i quit uh i guess the quickest nice well at least one of them i quit pretty quick Uh, that was uh I'll name and shame on this one. This is Lowe's Home Improvement Stores. Ooh, okay, yeah. So I was in high school, and you know, like I said, I I started I started construction work during summer and winter breaks when I was uh, twelve years old. Oh my goodness! At least, least full time. I had done some work before that on job sites. Um, I started crazy. scrapping a little bit when I was ten. Wow. But yeah, like if your parents own a drywall company, like the only rule is like you're not supposed to use like power tools mm-hmm. until you're like sixteen, I think, in the okay. state I was working in. Um, you were so born I started into out, business. Yeah, so I started out doing like scrapping drywall because, like you know, there's always pieces left when the hanging crews come through and cover a place in drywall, and that has to get thrown into a dumpster and then taken out of the site. So I would, you know, throw stuff out of apartment units. Uh, the first job I remember on, uh, I was ten, and Jurassic Park Two had come out, <laughs> and I was, I was scrapping drywall from the projector rooms, you know, that were up above the the you know the theaters. Uh-huh. And the dumpster was right next to the entrance of this theater, and people were coming in, and I was I was ten, I, I loved it. I was taking big stacks of little like cuts of drywall and throwing them into the dumpster right when people walked by, and it would just like scare the hell out of them. Uh, and I, I thought construction work was just so cool. Um, yeah. So you know, I started full time at twelve, and I roll into Lowe's when I'm like eighteen. It's it's my senior year of high school, uh, or about to be. It's the sum- summer before that. I started in like may like right right when junior year let out Mm -hmm. i was hired as a seasonal worker and like immediately like i was working in the building materials department and immediately know more than like a lot of the people who are working there just because i had come up in construction you know yeah so i was able to help customers a lot better with like oh you don't want that you you want to buy this and like this is how you cut drywall you don't need to use a handsaw and you know cut it like it's a piece of wood you just score it with a razor knife and then you can like break it break the paper on one side and then you score the back side and just snap it back and it just breaks in a nice clean line yeah i mean 
you sound like the most knowledgeable person probably that worked there, period. Yeah, but like the other thing is like the only thing they train new hires on is how to upsell people, or at least they were back in the 2000s. Yeah. They don't train you on anything about like where stuff is in the store, which is the most common that... reason customers come up to talk to you. Oh, that's so, so like you get stupid. hired and immediately you're just flooded with people who are asking you, where's this? Where's that? And you have to be like, I, I, I actually don't know. Uh, <laughs> let me go find somebody who's worked here longer. And then they're pissed off because like you don't know and you have to go find somebody else. Yeah. So that was really frustrating. But anyway, the main reason I ended up quitting was I uh, I covered time after time I covered for my coworkers because I you know I'm on summer break. I don't want to yeah. do actual construction work. I felt like this was easier. I'm standing around Lowe's asking or answering people's questions and yeah. stuff compared to a ten hour day like hanging drywall or like framing with metal studs. It's pretty easy. Yeah, very different. Um, but I had covered like nine or 10 days for people where I wasn't scheduled to come in and I came in to cover, you know, somebody's sick, somebody has a family emergency and stuff. So I, I, I had been asking for July 4th off cause back then, like, you know, back then July 4th was a big deal to me. It was my favorite holiday of the year. You know, it's middle yeah. of summer. It's a lot easier to get alcohol as an 18 year old kid. Like July absolutely. 4th. Yeah. It's just, yeah. You it's a fun time. Barbecue, so whatever. I, I wanted the fourth off, but you know, it's a huge day for Lowe's, you know, it's a home improvement store. A lot of people have it off. They want to come in, they want to buy a bunch of stuff for their fancy, you know, sure. So they had scheduled me to come in and I, I, I had requested it off. Um, I believe I had received it off from my, my immediate manager. And then he got superseded by like the store manager. Cause like he was, my immediate manager was the building materials manager. Okay. So the store manager said, no, we have to be all hands on deck. And I was like, but I've, I've covered all these days and you guys granted it to me already. You're taking it back now. And I made plans like, not, you cool, know what? Fuck, fuck you. And what I ended up doing was I just no show, no called. And I just ghosted them. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, they, they kept, at the time, I was still, you know, I was 18. I was living in my parents' house. They uh -huh. kept calling the house when I wouldn't oh. pick up my, my flip phone. They kept calling the house. And, like, my mom came downstairs and she was like, your manager would really like you to call them back. And I was like, fuck them, mom. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the first, like, really hostile job quitting I, I ever did. I can't imagine. time. Luckily, I've been lucky in my life. That was the only time I ever worked retail. And I never went back. Oh, uh, I mean, good. I, you know, I think you saved yourself a lot of grief. Um, I, you know, I've, I've, I've worked in retail spaces in a very limited capacity, but there's obviously, there's a lot of, um, similarities between hospitality and, re and retail, but, um, I, I, I cannot imagine, you know, ghosting a job when they're, you know, st still our house phones and, and, you know, my mom picking up the phone for my angry manager like that that just sounds like a nightmare yeah i mean it was pretty funny because i just knew i was never i was never gonna go back in there to work i went back in there to shop like a week later though that was pretty funny yeah <laughs> i i mean if it was me i i would have uh, you know avoided that place like the plague and, and just never go back um but uh but yeah that that's Th that's a good one and and you know i hope you enjoyed your fourth of july i believe it was memorable not memorable i got it was you a little wild back then <laughs> yeah. 
as it should be. But yeah, uh, after that, it was actually the best job I ever had. That was delivering pizzas, which I ended up quitting there. But that was mostly because like I was the last of my friend group to quit. Like, and I was like, I, I went to work there just because like all my friends were working. Nice. There. That was a really good time, and that was actually like the closest I ever got to like hospitality. I guess it was really mm-hmm. nice to roll up to like a, a party full of drunk people on a Saturday night with like six pizzas that they ordered. Yeah. And they, yeah. they tip you like a hundred bucks because like they're so hungry. <laughs> like, they're so hungry and so drunk. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like, it, you know, it was kind of like a, a suburban area. So it was easy to drive like crazy taxi everywhere when, when I was like <laughs> seven or like 18, 19. Nice. And I just treated it like a video game and like but we also like made the pizzas and stuff. It was a it was a good job. Was it a but local then, like, place slowly, or was it a chain? It was a small chain. Uh-huh. Um it was a Hungry Howie's franchise. They do like flavored they like we like flavored the crust and stuff. That was their oh, gimmick. Okay. I I've I I, th- and I think the, I've seen one of those somewhere, yeah. The great thing about that job is the owners were totally checked out. They like wanted to treat it as an ATM, so they let this seventeen-year-old girl run it, who was uh, <sighs> dating a, a friend of mine. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and so she was like the de facto manager, and like as long as the pizzas were quality and we got shit out on time, we could pretty much do whatever the fuck we wanted in there, and it was just it was great. We yeah, pizza. we got pizza to people quickly, and it, it all worked until like. Just people, a couple of people quit. Um, Lacey, the, the girl who was working there, quit to go to school, I think. And uh, bad so decision. They hired, they hired some manager who was like in his 30s and he was just on a completely different vibe. This takes everything way too seriously. Yeah. I didn't give notice, but I did call and say, you know, I'm not going to work here anymore. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, Sounds like a like a really great time. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I, I would have had a lot of fun with that. that. That just sounds like a blast. Yeah, like I said, it was the best job I ever had. I I've um I I I worked uh, at a at a Pizza Hut in um, I think it like twenty sixteen. And I only made it like two shifts because, um, uh, what, what was it? Oh yeah. The, the guy that was driving me around and, and like training me, um, he was like just driving really crazy and, and like, you know, he almost died a couple of times and, and I was just like, I don't, I don't think I want to do this. I, I was just a wimp, but it could have been fun. Yeah, you never know. I know. <laughs> I might have missed out. And so, then, yeah. Uh, so. You, um, then you jump back into kind of the more of the construction world or? Um, well, after that, I went to school for four years. And during that, I did a little bit of work here and there. Um, my, my parents kind of tried to steer me a little work because they did work all over the east coast the united states so but unfortunately like at one point i was managing a a hotel going up the at least the drywall part of it and it was like two hours away from where i was going to school so i would you know 
I, I was able to like stay up till midnight and get my classes blocked out to like two or three days a week, like two or three long days where okay. I would just go to campus and, and do my classes. And then like the other three to four days a week, I would drive two hours to this other city and like just run through the job, like meet with the subs. Cause we would usually use a lot of subcontracting crews just to do the hanging. And then mm -hmm. our guys would come in and, and tape and finish. So, you know, meet with subs, like, meeting with the GC, like going through uh, what's called RFIs, which are where the architects don't do a good job um, planning every single part of the building and like the different wall assemblies for fire ratings. And okay. Stuff. So we have to get clarification from them of how they want stuff built so that we can cover our ass that we did it right in case the building catches fire someday. And yeah, is construction, the, the office side of it, that what the people do in the office is like, 50% covering their ass from lit litigation. Yeah, I mean, F that makes future sense. Future possible litigation. Yeah. Everybody's very scared of getting sued. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I... But yeah, so I would go there and do, like, project manager type stuff, and it that, was exhausting. That sounds but like a lot to balance. Do that. I didn't have to do that for very long. That was, like, one semester because hotels go up pretty fast. Yeah. It was just a way for me to get more, more spending money. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, that that is quite the commute, though. You know, I guess the pay was worth it. Uh, it wasn't bad. I probably should have been, been paid more. It, I, I'm privileged that my parents gave me an opportunity to learn a trade and, like, steered me work. But they, they definitely underpaid me, I think, because, uh, you know, other people did their books and they didn't want to, you know. Mm -hmm. Both of us were, were scared of the whole, you know, nepotism thing. Like, I don't. I don't run their company now. Like I never wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to be like the boss's son. And mm -hmm. I think they didn't want to be seen as treating me super special. That makes so sense. So I got the lower end of what, of what that stuff usually paid. Yeah. You, you, uh, didn't get the, the privileges that, that you were entitled to as a Nepo baby. Well, I definitely, you know, I got a shortcut. That's yeah. I yeah. Learn a trade. I probably got less hazed by the other guys at work, you know. True. I didn't actually learn from my dad or anything because he's 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 an office guy, you know. Mm -hmm. He runs that part of the company. He started out when he was seventeen doing this stuff, but he didn't do it for very long. I've definitely put up more sheets of drywall than he ever has. <laughs> I, I'm much more of a field guy now than he than he ever was. But you know, I got to learn it. I got to learn it on summer breaks from school and. I got me a head start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it's it's uh, not like something that that you were just miserable doing too. It seems like you got you know, especially well, what, well, <laughs> well. I mean, starting out at we least we haven't gotten any of the uh, yeah the misery of construction work stories. It can be it can be really shitty sometimes. Well, I mean, j just personally for for me, I I know I would be miserable like every step of the way because i'm just uh uh weakling and um i i yeah it, it 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 just sounds like torture to me but um i i mean I'm, it's not all <laughs> it's not all hell and you know fire and brimstone either sometimes it can be i don't know so when you're working with a crew that you get along with and stuff and uh you're, you're really in a groove yeah. And you start, you know, you start before dawn and you, you hit your stride as the sun's coming up. It can be, you know, it can be downright beautiful sometimes, but it's, it's a roller coaster. That's for sure. Yeah. And a lot I, of times the, the profit model is what really fucks it up and makes it miserable. 
Mm-hmm. Because it just puts, put, you know, puts the crew under a whole lot of uh, needless stress. And I mean, probably. Oh, I've seen it, and I've seen people seriously injured in construction. Yeah, I mean, geez, I. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I want to get nitty gritty, but yeah, I've seen some. I've seen some pretty gnarly injuries, and I've seen one death on a job site. Jesus, that I mean, that's that's pretty fucked up. I, I, uh, you know, you can get into as as little or as much as you want, but but um, yeah, that that that's pretty scary. And you know, I feel like that profit incentive obviously, um, kind of chips away at the quality of the work too. You know, um obviously or not but uh yeah so after that college job um what was next on the agenda uh well i uh i started dating a girl who went to another school a few hours away so when i was finished a semester before her i moved to her small little town in tennessee her college town and got a job the only job i could get with a fresh history degree in 2010 which is like the nadir of jobs after the 2008 crisis yeah that's when i graduated that's 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 when i graduated with a humanities degree so you understand the yeah it's like the worst of both that was back when i still thought i could leave the orbit of construction that was when i was starry-eyed and still had dreams but anyway what did you want to be um you know i i knew i was was an artist and uh also like I mean, if we want to get into it, I, I at the time, while I was working this other job, the sh- one of the other shittiest jobs I've ever had, um, one of two, I think, it's a contender, um, I actually put on this event in this town of 30,000 people where like 5,000 people showed up. It was like the wow. height of Facebook. It was like when Facebook was really catching on and everybody was getting on Facebook. And I started this event thinking maybe we'd get 500 kids. It was Mm -hmm. a free event, all ages. It was zombie tag. So like, you know, you tag someone, they become another zombie. And it just, the number of people who are it grows exponentially. Yeah, You have to get to five checkpoints and then back to the center hub. And there's a prize for time, like first finisher and stuff. Uh And there's a prize for most kills as a zombie. So that's right as hell. Within a couple of days of making this event, there's like fifty thousand people RSVP to show up. We oh ended up getting God. like we ended up getting like like five thousand kids to show up. That's fucking um, nuts. But in a town of thirty thousand, that's a lot of fucking people. Yeah. In a small area of downtown. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up having to get volunteers. I ended up having to raise money via like a concert benefit thing to pay a bunch of off duty cops because the town had was requiring me to pay a bunch of off duty uh-huh. cops. Yeah. I had to get like a $10 million insurance policy. I it ended, oh my up, God. It ended up costing me about 350 bucks to Jesus. keep this event. It spiraled out of control. Cause I didn't want it to not happen. You yeah. know, I, that was absolutely what I didn't want. But anyway, so like at the time I thought maybe I could get into like events and stuff like that. But that was back when I was a little bit less radical about like the profit motive and shit. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just thought I could get out of construction, maybe get into like, uh animation or something like that i just never picked it up i never put the effort into like learn blender or anything like that uh-huh. if i had i probably could be there now but i, I just keep sure. going back to construction because it's it's so easy to pick up work yeah, uh, what there's you know. a huge shortage and it's just easy to pick up and drop employers in that business 
Yeah, I mean, you you kind of know what you're getting, and you know that it's you know the work's going to be there. Yeah, but anyway, I, I the the only job I could get there at the time was was landscape labor for eight dollars an hour, and like this place had no power equipment, so we would like dig out trenches for like retaining walls or trenches for water features and clay with like pickaxes and shit. 10 hour days, mandatory Saturdays. The owners were on this like evangelical Christian thing. You had to like sign a pledge to adhere to like Christian values. And they would like start work meetings with prayers and shit. What? It was, it was, it was fucking horrible. Oh my God. But, um, out loud. Did you pray out loud together? No, no, (laughs) I wouldn't have done that anyways. But like the funny thing is the whole install crew, were, was another guy who had graduated college. He was a laborer like me. And then the the, the crew lead, or one of them, uh, for the install crew was like a horticulturist who had graduated, you know, it's like a horticulture BA. Okay. And he thought he had been hired as like a, a landscape designer. Oh, no. And they kind of they kind of bait and switched him into being the, the landscape oh. install crew lead. So he was out there helping us like install trees and stuff, dig holes and like dig trenches and install water features and stuff. And he was kind of disgruntled from the get go. Yeah, of course. Over time, we all kind of like built a camaraderie as an install team, but we also grew to really hate the owners and their bullshit and their ideas about like efficiency and like hustling every Mm -hmm. chance we got. We all kind of conspired to quit in the same week nice. and leave them with no install crew leave them high and dry i love it and yeah and then also on the last day i knew we were scheduled to work in this really fancy neighborhood in this really small town where like the richest people had like cloistered themselves up in the you know like a fancy gated community so i uh i I shaved my hair and i had grown my hair out quite a bit and uh i had shaved shaved it in you know a classic punk mohawk and Mm -hmm. threw the beeswax in there and just had it all (laughs) spiked out like I fully spiked out like eight inches above my head and was just, you know, rocking the, rocking the Mohawk and the Uh, owner just had a fit and he was like, you got to shave that off or you can't work. And I was like, then I'll go home and you'll be, you won't have enough guys to do this tree install because they need like three guys to do it. He was like, you put a hat on. I was like, all right, I guess I'll put a hat on. So I put a hat on (laughs) and I had more beeswax in my truck. So right before I got in the company truck to go do the install, I grabbed it. And then when I got out, I, when I got out in this rich neighborhood, I just spiked it out again and rolled <laughs> with it because the other guys in the crew didn't care that we yeah. were all quitting. Oh man! So yeah, that was another. That was this. That's a contender for the worst job I had, just because the labor of it was really bad sometimes. Like, yeah, and like it sounds like in the, working in the rain, like digging oh, man. in clay, like. Yeah. And like some of the worst customers, because you're like putting water features in back of their McMansion and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that 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 sounds pretty unbearable, especially with you know. I guess these owners sound like they they really have a uh, like a Protestant work ethic fetish. Yeah, except they didn't do any of the actual work. Oh they no, no, of course not. Condition office and yeah. their little you know their little desk and well, they're they're you know fetishes that they like watching you making yeah. you guys do all the work like um, the most thing that can be said for owners is they sit on the phone and they glad hand with customers or prospective customers to bring in the work but that just they talk they talk for a living like good for you dude yeah i, I mean and i mean a lot of the time much of what comes out of their like, mouth is is, it's is not nothing like, substantial it's not like a way an entertainer talks it's like you do it to like exploit people to like 
yeah. get money out of them to get them to spend money on like a water feature that they don't really need or a or a japanese maple that they don't really need when they already have like six of them like yeah no yeah, yeah that job that job right. was definitely a big part of my radicalization i think yeah that 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 happens pretty easily when you know you're you're you, you know you can really feel the oppression i guess <laughs> um but i mean they they got their comeuppance that that was a really really great uh stunt on on that last day that that's that's a classic yeah it was a good time so after that um i quit pretty close to when my girlfriend was graduating anyway so we ended up leaving tennessee and we moved to seattle and that was where I got the next, the the other contender for the worst job I ever had. Oh wow! So I went from, I went from one probably worst job I ever had to the other one, which I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure this next one is the worst job I ever. Okay. Had. But luckily, I only worked there. I think I was only there like five months, maybe six tops. Okay. Two but in a yeah. row. That's that's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty so. Shitty. We moved to Seattle because my, you know, my girlfriend has a hard science degree, which means she gets the actual career track job first. Nice. Um, so she she gets that, and uh, I'm I'm looking for any work I can find because you know I I didn't really save up a lot working for the landscape company for eight dollars an hour. I don't really have a whole lot of time to coast and rent. Even back then, even back then, rent in Seattle was was crazy compared to the Midwest. I think it was yeah. nine fifty a month, which at the time seemed crazy, and we were splitting that. Was that like but, uh, um, around Occupy or? That was just before Occupy. Okay. Actually, well, actually, I think we moved there while it was ongoing, and then like most of the stuff I did, like down at Occupy, was in Seattle. I, I was down there for a bunch of the marches. I never oh, actually nice. camp, camped, but I was down for a lot of the marches and stuff. Nice, yeah, because I I remember Seattle being a pretty big. I mean, obviously the camps were everywhere, but but yeah, Seattle was a pretty big. Uh, it was pretty big, and it lasted for a pretty long time. I think it went down shortly shortly before New York. Yeah, and that whole thing. Yeah, it fizzled. Every I've seen so many protest movements fizzle. In my time, it's sad. Yeah, it makes me sad. It it is sad, and it's like, I, I mean, there's just so much discontent, and it's like, we we can get to a place where we can all verbalize it, and we you know know something's wrong, and sometimes we can channel it into actual on the ground movement, but it's it's like we don't know how to focus it and and keep it um, you know consistent. So that's I, I guess that's the next step. Right. So, yeah, so I'm in Seattle. Uh, I get a job working at a transmission remanufacturing plant. So when your transmission breaks, typically what you do is you have it R&R'd, removed and replaced. So you, they swap a rebuilt one in that's already ready to go. It's on a crate. Mm -hmm. And they take your old one and they send it to a remanufacturing plant. Now that's not always what happens. Sometimes the mechanic will take your transmission out and send it out to be fixed. Okay. Um, but most of the time, it's on an R and R basis. So what we would do is we would we were in the breakdown part is what I got hired on. And initially, I see I got bait and switched because I initially got hired on as like logistics. Like you take this rebuilt transmission to this distribution warehouse and drop it off. Like you pack up this one. You know, it's it's more like packing up shipping driving the truck maybe yeah and i ended up and somehow like 
I got hired on and it's like, well, we're going to stick you here for a while. And then a while became like five months. <laughs> so we, we were in the breakdown department, which is we would get these old, you know, broken transmissions and we would tear them down, you know, use a air, uh, a pneumatic impact gun to, uh, you know, remove all the bolts and stuff mm -hmm. and break them down into constituent parts. And then you would put all the carts on a, on the, uh, put all the parts on a cart and wheel them over to the wash, wash station. And because, you know, I was the new guy, most of the time I was stuck on the wash station because nobody wanted to do that because the wash station is like a 55 gallon drum full of some kind of God knows what <laughs> kind of solvent, probably carcinogenic oh, God. being pumped up through a little like faucet with a pump, you know, so that you can, you know, continuously wash these steel and aluminum parts in a solvent as you're trying to get the little like microscopic like steel and aluminum shavings um and and like microscopic pulverized steel dust out of the little nooks and crannies of all these razor sharp like steel drum and aluminum parts uh. that spin around in a transmission so like because of the solvent and the sharp the incredibly sharp edges of transmission parts like any kind of glove that's going to keep the solvent out is, is going to get shredded uh -huh. And any, any glove that can stand up to the sharp parts is going to get soaked with solvent. And then like, it's going to get infused with the pulverized steel and shavings. And it, it eventually is going to be worse than not wearing gloves. So really you can't wear gloves in this shit. Oh, no. So between the cleaning and the loading of the parts into these giant like dishwashers, you're constantly cutting your fingers up on the sharp edges. And then yeah. you're having, you know, like put them in the solvent, put them in the steam of the machines, put them in the solvent. It just shreds your hands. <sighs> and uh, on top of that, you know, you got these, these giant like dishwasher things. They load similar to a dishwasher. You put all the parts in a rack and then you slide the rack in and you close the big giant door. And they're like, maybe twice as wide as a refrigerator and a little bit taller and way deeper. And they're just, they're hot as hell. I don't know what temperature they were at, but probably uh -huh. over 200 degrees. And uh, so you're constantly loading those and unloading those and, you know, it's just steamy and hot. And the other thing is that you filled the, the well in the back with water for it to, you know, wash the parts, heat up the water and wash them. Mm -hmm. But of course this company was so cheap. We had to do it with like a garden hose. What the fuck? <clears throat> and, and, you know, you'd start filling it and then the, the teardown lead guy would, you know, call you away to do something else. And then you'd forget that it was being filled and it would partially like <laughs> flood the whole back area, oh, the teardown area. Oh, no. Like, I don't know how many times I offered to like put in a little, a little float meter and a valve for them. Like yeah. I could do that. I'm not even a plumber, but I could do that in like 45 minutes. And they're just <laughs> like, no, we don't want to take any chances of the valve failing. And I'm like, but. And I wasn't the only one who would forget. Like all three of us would forget from time to time. And it's like a constant issue. It's an it's easy just, thing to do. Yeah. Yes. The owners are just uh, not bright people. But so there was that to deal with. It's just like, oh, it's it's going to cause a problem if if you fix it. But, you know, not fixing it is is causing, you know, even more of an issue that, that happens constantly. Just very silly. Right. So those are all like the physical issues of the job that were miserable enough. But like, you know, if you get a good crew and, you know, you get along with people, you all like share a joint in the back of the back of the place, you know, that you can deal with all that, the miserable yeah. parts of the job itself. This was not that. Okay. Oh, no. So the, the teardown lead guy 
his real name, I think, was like Spencer or something like that. But he pref- he wanted everybody to call him Maui. Maui. He was born. He was born in Maui. Oh, so no. he had built his whole identity about that or something. I think he'd oh, been kicked God. out of the Navy. This guy was. Uh, he was the worst boss I've ever had to deal with, and he was like technically right above me because he ran t- the teardown department, which yeah. was like me, one other guy and him and this guy was he was just terrible he was the most toxic masculinity fuckhead i've ever had to deal with he he wouldn't let us play anything on the radio but butt rock oh no all day long and he was just constantly like i mean it it was like 2010 so we're coming off the 2000s you know we're yeah. like basically all comedy result all comedy between men is like res, revolves around like insults and stuff uh-huh. but like he just that's kind of something you build to over like maybe like weeks or months. Yeah. You just kind of started off with it immediately, like way too much. Like, and he just pouring it on all the time. That's just, just his whole thing. Eventually I just, me and him just grew to hate each other. Like yeah, one time that was back before I was listening to like, before like, you know, like left this podcast with yeah. thing. So I was still listening to like NPR on my lunch breaks and mm-hmm. stuff. And one time he walked by while I wasn't, paying attention to him and my windows were down so like after that he thought i was some kind of like you know you know like liberal stereotype yeah of course and he was just he was terrible he sounds absolutely insufferable i mean i i just like i mean you could have told me the name alone maui and and i mean that that would have been enough but yeah he he sounds right he sounds terrible so when he wasn't giving me a ton of shit, like some of the, the guys, cause this is a pretty small shop actually. Like I say plant, but like, I think there was like maybe 40 people in there total mm-hmm. um, between like all of the office staff and everything. And there was maybe like a dozen of the, the builders. They actually, they were the ones who put the transmissions back together. And, you know, there were one or two who were chill and nice, but the, the most of them were just, oh man they were always angry at us because we were always doing something they didn't like in the teardown whether it was maybe we would miss a piece a little bit of pulverized dust in one of the drums here or there or like there would be a little bit of overspray because one of the other things we would have to do is is uh spray the transmissions with like silver spray paint okay like the the actual cases of them just to like dress them up to make them look new newer Mm -hmm. you know as a rebuilt transmission and sometimes there'd be overspray where the where the gasket goes for the oil pan and stuff like that that the builder would have to like take 10 minutes to scrape off or they would drag it back in a rage and like make one of us scrape it off oh even God. though like it takes them more time to to do that yeah than what it would just scrape it off themselves but yeah so sometimes they were a real a real pain in the ass sounds like just a just a toxic culture there at the company yeah i mean it's a bunch of gearhead guys like mechanic types you know so it's it was a pretty toxic you know toxic masculinity culture yeah which which i mean i think it was actually worse than construction which says a lot you know mechanics mechanics seem a little bit worse yeah i mean that's it's kind of funny i you know i feel like they they get lumped in you know with each other kind of in that argument but um feel like mechanics maybe are 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 more try hard you know yeah for sure just kind of the impression (laughs) i get 
Whereas yeah, the construction like, guys are kind of a little bit more laid back. Yeah, for sure. Like, I feel like the the toxic masculinity construction revolves a lot more around like disregard for personal safety than uh -huh. with, mecha with mechanics. It's a lot more, it's a little too egotistical for that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of, uh, you know, dick slinging. Yeah, I mean, you know, so, yeah. neither are good, but. Luckily, I didn't have to work that job super long. I ended up going back to construction where I've, uh, let me think. Yeah, I've pretty much been in construction since, although I've bounced around different types. So uh, I've done done a bunch of the metal stud framing, drywall, acoustic ceiling. Um, that was all for a guy named Tony, who I worked for for four years. But like two and a half of that was I was on probation where I wasn't allowed to quit my job. And then uh, there was another, I think I worked for him a year after I was off probation and then ended up just ghosting him too out of frustration. Yeah, he was, was he? Really, uh, he was, he wasn't an asshole. He was really stupid. And <laughs> I learned over four years that that can be just as bad. Yeah, yeah. Like when the sure. guy who runs the business is just really dumb and like not dumb, not just dumb, but like also just like disregards doing things that he really should be doing. Mm-hmm. It, it's just it's exhausting because then i'm doing two jobs a lot of times working for him i felt like i was doing two jobs at once yeah yeah i mean it just puts a lot on the employees when you know the boss doesn't know their shit yeah and puts them in a lot of bad situations too yep i ended up uh, at one point screaming at him on the on site right next to the job trailer of the biggest job he had ever landed while there was a, a meeting of like the developers and like all the GC heads. Oh my goodness. And all the subcontractor like owners. Must've yeah. been something bad. And then I actually kept working for him for like six months after that <laughs> before I ghosted him. Yeah. He, 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 he just like brushed it off or what? Was it well, a, uh... he he couldn't. Well, that's the thing about construction, man. It's like it's it's hard to find people. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, there really is. They, you know, they blow labor shortages out of proportion a lot, but they're not doing that with construction. There's just so many people are retiring every year, and the replacement rate is just not keeping up with it. Mm, okay. Because, like, for a lot of reasons, um, companies weren't training people for like my whole life. The only reason I got training is because I was like the boss's kid, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, of course. They just they just weren't willing to like give people a foot in the door, and you pay them to learn stuff instead of being ready to just you know swim as soon as they're thrown deep. As soon as they're thrown in the deep end. Yeah. What? Why is that? Is that like a liability thing? It's kind of. I think it's just like a a cycle because like they're desperate for help. They want people that are going to be able to hit the ground running. So they don't hire and train people. And then the problem just gets worse year after yeah. year, decade after decade. It's just them not wanting to invest the time and effort into. And that's training. not even like, that's like a lot of unions aren't really even recruiting at replacement rates. Like, hmm. yeah. I, I don't know why or, or what they think is going to happen, but it's just an increasingly severe labor crunch. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. You would think that there would be incentives in, 
you know, industries that that are hurting labor wise. But uh, I don't know. I get you know. I guess it might just be like the companies are are kind of just looking uh, towards the you know profits that quarter, or you know unions being co opted. I don't know. It's 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 a mess out there. It certainly is. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I ended up ghosting him just because it was just accumulation over time. And like, we could get into the straw that broke the camel's back, but it's not even, it wasn't even that. It was just constantly having to deal with this guy who seemed pretty checked out on what, running his business. What was the fallout like after, you know, screaming at him in front of, uh, you know, people he, he wanted to impress? Well, actually, between that, which, the, you know, the GCs noticed, the, the guys who actually run the site, they're hired by the developer to run run the whole site, you know, uh-huh. to keep the subcontractors in line. My boss, my boss was a subcontractor from Metal Stud Framing and Drywall, mm. um, and I was the foreman on this site, which was a large hotel in a very fancy neighborhood. And uh, between that and another incident where... Uh, where it, depending on who you ask, I either I either pushed a battery charger off the top of a, a spider box, which is an electrical, you know, kind of like an electrical power strip, but okay. bigger and more industrial for construction sites that sits about the top of it sits about 10 inches off the ground. So I either, in my opinion, <laughs> according to my memory, I, I pushed this guy's battery charger off the top of it and unplugged it because he had unplugged one of our, our scissor lifts that needed to charge uh-huh. again, again for like the third time. And uh, according to him, he he ran into the job trailer and told the super that I had thrown it across the room. Oh, my God. Which is not at all what occurred. But between those two incidents, I was actually kicked off that job. And Tony, the guy who I worked for for four years, had to find somebody else to do it. I believe he poached. He actually poached one of the GC's foremen to run that job. But in the end... (laughs) In the end, this is my petty little vindication, but in the end, that GC went bankrupt on that site because they had managed it so poorly, and I'm pretty sure my former employer lost his ass on that site too. Wow. And also, okay. and also, this this wasn't even me, but like that GC made so pe- so many people angry. They had fired two electrical subcontractors, which probably not their fault. This was the worst GC I had personally ever dealt with, but um. The site got robbed like three times in a row uh, before they were finished. And then the GC went out of business because I believe they were just taking too long and the developer ended up hiring someone else, which when that happens on a job that big, if you're if, if you're trying to leapfrog in construction and go from like a, a $1 million a year business to a $10 million a year business by doing a, by doing a $9 million job on, on, <laughs> on, on credit, on a oh, big loan damn. from the bank, which happens a lot, you go under as a GC when the developer fires you and hires someone else. Yeah. And yeah. That's... There were a ton of issues with the concrete on this building. It was a seven story structural concrete building and the columns were like leaning out a plumb over the course of 12 feet, leaning out about an inch, which on the ground floor, that's huge when you're stacking mm-hmm. six floors on it and like... Uh, I think part of the reason I got kicked off might have been me calling them out for that because I had to do, as a framing foreman, I had to do the floor layout. So I'm taking the drawings of, you know, each hotel room and like what's going to happen in the lobby. I'm 
chalking it out on the floor for my crew to start building the walls and, and the soffits that hang from the ceilings and stuff like that. So I have to lay out everything on these floors and I'm noticing like, you know, I have to laser up from one floor to another to keep everything plumb and in line because the plumbing has to go through wall to wall from one floor to another. And I'm noticing this building has a lean, dude. Oh no. From first to seventh floor, you're seeing like four inches of lean. Oh. And it's leaning out. Like this is not good. You got columns that are leaning. You got floors that are warped. That like, sounds bad. And the site, like the site when I first got there had like three inches of standing water on the first floor and they're running like four hundred and forty volt or four hundred and eighty volt cable through all that and running scissor lifts and forklifts over the cable and like it was it was a shit show. Yeah, it doesn't uh, sound like it was yeah, very well so done. Yeah, so that that's the context of me like screaming at my boss and get, being mad at the GC. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, you probably was speaking out. Uh, you know that that probably pushed him to uh, letting you sit sit this one out. But um, you did go back to work for him on just on different projects. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I ended up going back and working on some department stores and uh, just was having to do a lot of night work after that, and that was miserable. And, like, I knew he could get more money out of the GC for night work, but he mm-hmm. wasn't doing it. Or he was, and he was pocketing it. I don't know, but... Yeah, there, there definitely should be a uh, you know wage adjustment for, for the overnight. So or he night. was having... Yeah, he was having us do night work, and then he, he was also, when he wasn't, when he ran out of night work, he was having us, like, come to his house and, like, re- like redo the roof on his fucking McMansion that has, like, it's got, like, 20 different roof surfaces on it, you know, because the way these McMansions are designed by their stupid architects is they, like, they cut up the roof to all these different slopes and, like, have all these, like, dormers and, 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 and parts of the house that like stick out when, you know, if it's more boxy and stuff, it might be boring, but it's, it's a lot easier to, to do the roof. It's easier to maintain the roof. Yeah. It's easier to repair the roof. Like when you just have two or three nice pitches, you know, to your roof. So we're like having a rope up and like repel and like do all this crazy stuff to redo his shingles and tar paper. And like, it's the middle of summer. So it's hot. Yeah. And one day I just, I didn't even plan it. I just, I just woke up one day and I was like, I really, really, really don't want to go do this. So I'm just not. And I didn't call him. I called, um, the one good thing about working for this guy. And the reason I probably worked for him for so long is he, he let me bring on my own like help. Oh, nice. So I was able to bring my two buddies in and like, we, we didn't, you know, we didn't fuck around all day, but like, it was nice having friends to work with. Yeah. And, um, that, that makes a huge difference. Help teach them a little bit of a trade, which they both wisely didn't stay in it (laughs) stuff. But, um, but yeah, so that part was nice. So one one of my buddies was still working with me at the time. So I called him up. I was like, man, I can't, I can't work for Tony anymore. Like I'm, I'm not going to work for Tony anymore. I know that I know, I know he'll probably still let you work for him, but you're going to need your own car. Cause you know, my buddy wasn't driving at the time. He was just riding with me to every job site. Gotcha. Um, and he was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll find something else. So <laughs> I literally just went back to sleep and turned my phone off and didn't even think about it. Hell yeah. No, no follow up from Tony. No. Well, I was still getting paid with paper checks at the time, uh, which was another source of frustration. Is yes. Cause he lived 
way up in the north suburbs of Seattle, and I would oh. have to go all the way up there to pick up my paper checks. He would never come meet me anywhere. And every time he would come to a job site after he's supposed to have the checks, he'd be like, oh, I forgot him. He was just a really scatterbrained dude. Fucking like, idiot. Yeah. Um, that, that's, so anyway, I had to go tough. pick up. I had to go pick up my last check and he was just really like, he was like a puppy that had shit on the floor. Like, <laughs> the last thing he said to me was like, well, let me know if you ever want to come back. He was like, and I was, as I was walking away, like I didn't even turn around, like back turned. I was just like, yeah, I won't. I got my <laughs> truck and drove away. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 he dude was know, making a ton of money off me, I'm sure. Oh he yeah, was, for sure. It was really stupid because- once again, I, I was being—I think I was being underpaid for the, the stuff I was doing. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and you know, I'm sure that he knew that you know the, a lot of the frustrations with the, you know, environment and the the work you were you know, made to do were were pretty valid. So and and the pay, um, you know, not being compensated for for the shift change and uh so yeah i mean it it seems like he 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 you know kind of knew he was doing dirty a little bit yeah maybe he played the idiot a little bit too much to to get out of it also i found out later that either on accident or on purpose they had gotten my social security wrong my social security number wrong on my tax forms so i like i'm missing four years of social security uh contributions that I'll what have to like fuck? sort out at some point. Yeah, that was uh, pretty great. That shit sucks. That's going to be a huge headache. Yep. Oh man. So, so yeah, that one was that one was uh, that one was a slog. That was four years. That was that was the longest I've ever worked for somebody that's not my parents' company. Actually. Wow. Yeah. I mean that that's a long ass time. That that's that's longer than I've worked at a, at any job. My uh, you know my my um record so far is just two years like pretty much two years and then dip that's and that's only only two jobs i think the reason i was able to hang in there so long is because like because he was really dumb and because he was checked out a lot of the times i was able to run shit my way yeah like i i was ordering materials i was picking up materials i was hiring my guys most of the time or i could tell him which subs i didn't want to work with which other employees he had that i didn't want to work with like i had a lot of freedom at that job but also it was all on me all the time. Which, yeah, it's like, a double-edged it sword. Like a, it becomes like a you're never off the clock type thing. Like you're getting texts at like 8 p.m. from GCs. Like oh man, you know, yeah, you, you, you guys are taking sick days and they're calling you. They're not calling the boss. That's they, fucked. They know you're the one who's got to figure out how you're going to get the test done for the day. A man, a and man you're not down. getting paid for that role. No, you're just getting paid as like at most a foreman, if not just like as a carpenter or a framer, like. That was exactly the issue with um, the last hotel job that I had where I was, I, I, I did get a promotion, you know, and I was essentially the assistant general manager, but the title they gave me was like just some bullshit. And um, so I, I just was doing so many different things at once. And, and like, you know, the craziest thing is like, yeah, I'd, I'd get texts from from um you know my coworkers or you know people who i supervise uh, all all hours of the night and even you know we we were having trouble with our fucking fire panel at the at at, at the hotel and we had no 
GM, so I, you know, was the acting manager, and I, I, I'd get phone calls from the fire department, like, <laughs> because the company that you know owned us didn't want to shell out to update the fire panel. It was, it was just a mess. Um, yeah, it's like, I've it's seen like a lot of that in my most recent job. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, but um, just like yeah, I'm, I'm not getting paid enough for this. This is insane. So after Tony, what 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 uh, what was the next move? Okay, so after Tony was probably the worst owner I've ever had to deal with, and I quit him in a fairly, I guess not spectacular because I gave notice, but I quit very hostily. Okay, I got in his face a little bit. Nice, but this place was actually one of the spots I actually like intellectually liked the work a lot because it was a it was a like a breath of fresh air with some different stuff. So um, this place was doing more uh, material handling systems and industrial construction type stuff. So like like on the most boring side, we'd go in and put up a bunch of pallet racks in an in a Amazon warehouse. But like on the most exciting side, I, I got to help install this huge industrial uh, freight elevator on the outside of a, one of the Boeing factory buildings here in oh, wow. Seattle. Nice. And that was really cool because it was like putting together a giant like model kit or Lego kit because it came, you know, from the factory mostly in these these modular pieces that then we like, you know, plumbed out and measured out and welded all together and like installed the giant electrical motors and the big chain and, st- and the brakes and stuff. Yeah. And installed, the, you know, the double locking cab that like you put the pallet of stuff in and it lifts it up. You know, it's, it's designed to lift like two pallets like 4,000 pounds up onto the roof of this this big factory building. Wow. Um, we did a couple really complex conveyors in, in distribution warehouses that were pretty cool. Um, a couple other freight elevators that were interesting. Um, sometimes it was just fun to go into a big warehouse and demo the pallet racks too because you could bust it out really fast. You could demo like... <laughs> You could demo like a thousand linear feet of pallet rack in like an hour and a half and trick the boss into thinking it takes eight hours. <laughs> nice. That's that's rad. But yeah, I ended up quitting that job for two reasons. I had never liked the owner. He was this like white hair boomer type. And I man, I try not to be ageist, but this world just keeps it keeps be- giving me reasons to fall into that trap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, I try not to be ageist, but it's hard. Yeah, I mean, they're, uh, they're, they're you know, they could, they, some would call them a bad batch. Some would. But anyway, this guy, he would use, he, supposedly he was a Vietnam combat veteran, and he would use his PTSD as an excuse to just be really fucking abusive to people. Oh, no. Especially in the mornings. And, like, I always hated him from day one. Um, But the main thing is like he took all that interesting work I was doing and he took a big contract from Amazon to, for some reason, Jeffrey Bezos needed a bunch of uh, what's called Baker's carts, which are those like chromed steel, like heavy gauge steel wire, steel rod, like carts shelving. That's like, you see them in a lot of like, I guess bakeries and stuff. Like, oh, Okay. I think I... they're, they're like modular. They have the, the four like cylindrical posts that have little notches that you can set the shelves at different heights and stuff. Gotcha, and yes. Usually come on these little black plastic casters. Mm-hmm. 
some for some reason Mr. Bezos wanted a bunch of those cut down to a smaller cross-sectional size than what the factory was putting out. Hmm. So uh, this idiot boss Jack took a big contract to like cut down and reweld like 500,000 of these things. And wow. uh he had already put us on a crew like that was ma- just putting together the regular size ones in Amazon fulfillment centers. And we had been on that for like two months. Mm-hmm. And like at first it was nice. It was like, oh, I could turn my brain off. I could put on, you know, I was really getting into podcasts at the time. That was when like I discovered like Street Fight Radio and Chapo and stuff. Nice. So I was like, oh, I could put a podcast on and just turn my brain off and build these baker's carts. Well, that was fun for about a week. And then we kept doing it for another six weeks. It was just boring. It was mind numbing. It was not what I liked about this job where I was like putting together these cool Lego sets that in warehouses and stuff Mm -hmm. and like watching how a giant beverage distribution warehouse like cycles through millions of cans of of beer every day and stuff. It was cool. It was interesting. And then he put me on this boring shit. So then we go from building them to like, he, he, he puts up a tent in the parking lot of this really small shop he's got and he hires like 12 labor ready guys uh, who are supposedly skilled welders and like rents a bunch of welders and, and puts me in charge of like running this this assembly line because probably because literally nobody else at that company who'd been there longer than me wanted to take it on <laughs> obviously <laughs> of course it's like uh it's like herding cats like i don't uh not all people who have to work labor ready are completely checked out and unwilling to do work, but a lot of people who are working for labor ready are just, they're not going to do anything, man. And they're not going to do anything right. Just cause why would they, they're getting paid like, like I think like $15 an hour, $16 an hour in Seattle. Like, Is that like a staffing company? Seattle Metro. Yes. Yeah. And they like, they also have divisions where like it's the skilled labor, labor ready. And like, mm-hmm. supposedly they like, test people to make sure they're not lying about like what they can do. And they, they definitely don't. Some of the guys I got off this crew were good. There were these two, I think they were Navajo guys from Arizona and they were like middle-aged. They were just chill. I think they were probably getting a higher end of that wage. Um, they were really good welders. So I didn't have to worry about them at all. Um, but just running this crew, trying to make it work. Also the fact that like these, these carts don't come from the factory completely uniform. Like there's little differences. So Mm -hmm. like we made these rigs to like throw the, once they were, we had a rig to cut them and a rig to like weld them back together. So you would like throw them on this rig. The saw would cut them down to the size we wanted into the two sections. And then you'd throw the two pieces back on the rig, you know, with the, the piece in the middle missing. And you'd weld them together from there. But like the, the carts weren't actually uniform in size. So our cut rig would sometimes cut stuff a little off. So then you would either have to fill a little bit of extra space with weld, which would take longer, or you would have to cut down some of the extra rod because it was, you know, not, not quite cut enough. So that would like slow stuff down. And a lot of times these guys were just, you know, they wouldn't align it right before they welded it. And we'd have yeah. to like, read stuff. And it was just it was just really hectic and it was a lot for me to manage and it wasn't what I had like signed up to do. Yeah. I mean the, the job seems to have changed for you pretty fast. Yeah. So one day, you know, I'm dealing with all this. So one day I come in and guys are just getting started. I've, I've started up the generator cause like, you know, there's so many welders running. He can't run it off his shop power, his shop panel. It's, it's not enough amps. Okay. So we'd rent it the trailer generator. 
I come in, you know, we're, we're getting started. One of the guys had set down like a monster energy drink, like one of the big book tall boys, you know, uh-huh. on the pavement because we were still like moving welders around because we didn't leave them outside overnight. We were moving welders and gas tanks and stuff around for the shielding gas and getting stuff set up. And Jack comes in, the owner. And you can just tell he's on one of his, uh, you know, PTSD morning terrors. He okay. just wants to pick a fight with somebody. Yep. Um, I guess, you know, the stereotype is it manifests as flight, but apparently it can also manifest as fight. And he was always in fight mode. So, I mean, I, I you know, obviously PTSD is a very serious thing, you know, I, I, I and... I don't want to diminish it, but like, what was his, his reasoning? Like, like, did he, did he talk to you guys about like, Oh yeah, I, I get angry when I get, when, you know, when I have PTSD episodes or like, pretty much yeah. he, would, he would use it as an excuse for his rage fit. Oh like, my gosh. Verbal. And sometimes I've seen him, I saw him like throw shit at some of his office staff. He, he didn't try that with any of the field guys, but yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, um, if that's an issue for for any reason then you i mean you shouldn't be managing people if you're going to do that exactly. so, you know it's just yeah. the, that's the end of the story but anyway he comes in for some reason he doesn't like this monster energy drink energy drink sitting on the pavement and he just kicks it like a soccer ball <laughs> <laughs> oh my and he God. starts screaming and i just you know he's he's an older guy and he thinks he's tough i guess because uh-huh. he was a marine but i'm like four inches taller than him and i'm in my late 20s at the time and i'm i just i i screamed over him and i was like stop like that was this guy's drink you need to stop you need to cut that shit out and i did that in front of like everybody damn (laughs) and like he didn't really he didn't keep the fight going he he walked off to his office after talking more shit but um i bet so he, he walked he, he barely has ever gotten talked to like that before you know i don't know but he he walked off and i finished getting everybody set up and getting them going and then i walked into the office and i was like jack that's like that's that was some bullshit and like you you talk a lot of game about like the way things used to be done and i i, I think the that they used to be done like that for a reason. We have better mm. ways to do shit now. And yeah. this will be, this is my two weeks notice. I'm not going to work for you anymore. Hell yeah. At least some very similar to that. And, uh, so I kept running that crew for two weeks. The, the, the second guy in charge, the guy actually like who, who saved, saved us from Jackson competence. Most of the time, the mm. guy who was actually running shit. Like, basically begged me at one point to stay like he didn't beg but he was just like is there you know i'm pretty sure i know the answer to this and i know why but like is there anything i can do to like to make you stay with us yeah no dude there's nothing you can do yeah that that's the saddest when they're like what can i do (laughs) to keep you um i wish i had told him that he should just fucking leave that guy he should he'd be better off on his own like yeah it's not that hard to get a business loan man and like everybody's so desperate for work like it won't be that hard to be successful no yeah maybe i should take some of my i'm trying to take some of my own advice i guess yeah i mean (laughs) i i i i I think that's probably true it's probably true but anyway so i i worked the two weeks and then i ended up doing the the dumbest thing i've ever done at work and that would they probably you know i wouldn't be surprised if they thought i did it on purpose but i definitely didn't Um, oh no this generator that he got, this trailer trailer generator, um, it was like whisper quiet. Um, <clears throat> you know, it didn't have the typical like valve sound of a diesel. Mm-hmm. 
And also, like, at some point, the rental company that had rented it to us had, like, pulled the label off the uh, the fuel the fuel intake spout thing. Okay. It's a diesel only. Oh, no. So, like, yeah, like a, like a weekend to these two weeks, like, the, the trailer's getting really low on fuel. So, you know, I hook it up to my truck. I, I come in. I, I'm, I'm in my two weeks, but I'm still. Hey, you there? Oh, sorry, I stopped. Where where did I lose you? Um, you you were still in your two weeks, right? Um, but so so I think you were saying like the you 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 still wanted to do a good job, or you know, right? So I come in a half hour early because you know the trailer generator's almost out of fuel, and I hook it up to my truck, and I go I go to fill it up, and just completely out of it, thinking about a million other things, thinking about how we're gonna you know try to get be efficient today and turn through as many of these these units as we can yeah i, I filled it up with gasoline and it's oh, a no. diesel generator oh no <laughs> and like because of the way that diesel's heavier and because diesels are a lot more tolerant as a motor it runs for another like three or four days wow. on that mixture of gasoline and diesel until it stops during oh, break no. one morning and i've got like three days left on Jesus. this crew and i've like maybe like destroyed this generator yeah um so we ended up running it over to this mechanic and they were able to like clear all the fuel out of the lines and get it back running on diesel and we just <laughs> we just all decided not to tell the rental company <laughs> <laughs> so i guess it worked out but yeah it worked out in the that's end the dumbest, that's the biggest mistake i've ever made on the job in my whole life well i mean that yeah that i mean that 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 that's a decent sized mistake, but you know I feel like um, I'm sure that that's pretty tame compared to a lot of other people. You know I'm sure you've seen seen crazy. Oh mistakes. yeah, I've seen some stuff. Yeah, mostly involving active uh, water lines and sprinkler mm, lines. In yeah, commercial buildings. I've seen electricians break a two inch sprinkler line in a in an almost finished church and did like a million dollars of damage. Jesus, that's. Oh, I can't it was imagine. A me- it was a mega church, so oh and it had a God. basement, and this was on the main floor. So yeah, it it destroyed a lot. What a mess! Yeah, that's that 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 sounds like some deep shit to get yourself into. <laughs> so, sure. um, where are we now in in uh, you know terms of of years? Is this close to uh, recent? Uh, yeah. So that last one, Jack, that, that job was like 2000, I want to say 2018. Cause mm. I was like, I decided after that I had saved up a bit of money working for them. Luckily the pay was pretty decent for the first time in a long time. Um, I'd saved up a bit of money and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to coast for a little while. I'm going to enjoy things. And nice. that was like, uh, I think I started 2018 and I quit June 2019 so i got a few months into coasting and like I, I i had some fun that summer and then like it was the fall and then covid yeah damn so then you know luckily my girlfriend has a much better job than me and it pays quite a lot more so she was very gracious and once again i was i've been very lucky in my life and i didn't have to pay rent for like a year during covid because she didn't want me going and getting a, a field job. She was able to work from home. 
and she knew that my whole career was wrapped around work that I could not do from home. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, she was she was really scared of COVID, so she was willing to just pay the rent and let me let me uh, just hang out. Wow, nice. Which kind of yeah. drove me a little nuts, to be honest. I did a lot of pottery at home. I got a lot of steel work done. I did a huge, a huge project, a, a, a sculpture that's like 15 feet tall during during the height of COVID in my garage. Wow, that that yeah. sounds awesome. But yeah, so after that, well, not quite after, you know, that was, uh, let's see, when did I start? I got a job working for a, a a company that mostly did brick pavers. So like uh, they're like I don't know if you've ever seen them. They're usually in fancy neighborhoods. The driveways are made out of these like masonry block. Okay, they come yeah. In all kinds of different colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. You can get patios out of them and stuff. Yeah. But they mostly did that. But they hired me on to build these like um, these kits that were these pergolas, like backyard like. Uh, gazebos and stuff or gotcha. like these flat roof pergolas with these louvers that would rotate to let sun in or keep the rain out. Okay, gotcha. Um, and they're made out of like extruded aluminum. So, you know, because I had that metal stud framing experience, I was able to get that job pretty easy. Um, I thought, cool, you know, I'll build these kits. It'll be pretty easy, like little Lego sets. Like, man, I, I, I played with Legos so much as a kid and a lot of my jobs have just been fun with shapes like playing with legos yeah it's like big boy legos the only only difference is you got to make the blocks yourself like you you cut them down from bigger blocks to to the size and shape you want and you just put them together (laughs) yeah no you're you're absolutely right that's a good way of looking at it a lot of times my job is pretty simple when i don't have to deal with all the other bullshit and i'm just building the thing it's just fun with shapes yeah you know that's a common theme right it's it's all the things that get in the way of, of, you know, the building that that's the issue. Right. So the problem with that place is there's like a really small, cheap operation. They were just running everything shoestring. Like they had this warehouse that was like an old chicken barn out in like the, the exurbs of Seattle. <laughs> and, uh, they had a shitty little office that like, they kept a few like sprinkler parts and stuff in, but really they didn't have any material for us to fall. You know, nice. it's a lot of times when you're doing an install, like kits fall short or maybe your crew lead makes a few bad cuts and you uh-huh. need some extras. Like, so their warehouse out in the middle of nowhere had a few extra things, but not much. Um, and their just operation was really chaotic. Like a lot of times we'd show up and the customer didn't even know we were going to be there that day. Oh my god! And most of the time, we're not happy about it. Um, yeah, of course. And like, a lot of times they wouldn't have enough of the pergolas for us. So we'd have to go do stuff like manhandle a, a one and a half inch thick slab of granite up like the steep back steps into somebody's backyard because they're putting a fancy outdoor kitchen in and stuff like that, or like have to go pick up like three extra pallets of brick pavers because the the architects over ordered for the project so we have to hand load that into a truck uh stuff like that just a lot like, of extra work there's a lot of extra really hard labor just because you guys don't know how to manage shit yeah it sounds like terrible organization yeah so yeah, I ended up quitting that job with no notice after I like threw my back out doing one of those aforementioned granite slabs. Um, and the thing with 
workplace injuries is like if you're on the record getting it at a previous job like a lot of times in my state at least they don't like to pay you anything for like re-injuring it that's a loophole i guess right something so i didn't even go l and i and like just they they make you jump so many through so many loopholes and yeah. i knew I, I knew that i would bounce back from it in like a few weeks so instead of like going through all that bullshit i just quit without notice i was just really frustrated at the time it was kind of like it was the first job back from covid so it was really demoralizing definitely yeah yeah kind of back but yeah back to the grind yeah, so yeah, you know, I laid up for like a a couple of days and then started, you know, just taking my dog on long walks because with back injuries, you don't want to lay up for too long. You're supposed to get out and do very light activity to help it recover. Okay. So I just did that, you know, hung out, took the dog on walks for like a month before I was ready to get another job. And that's when I got my most recent job, which I was there for 14 months total. I quit it. Today's the 16th. I quit it two weeks ago. The third was my last day. Wow. Very, very fresh. Yeah. And this one I gave notice on. Uh, I gave two weeks. I, I probably should have gave them more, but I just I didn't want a longer awkward phase. I wasn't... This wasn't really like an angry quit. This was a combination of me not liking their market niche because they were doing a lot of work for insurance companies, a lot of repair work for insurance okay. companies. And the insurance companies are always just trying to cheap out on everything. So we would be given like too little time or too shitty material or both. Or So that part was very frustrating. And also like they kept, they had a really high turnover rate with their project managers for some reason while I was there. While I was there, I saw like three or four project managers leave and like two new ones get made. So you kept getting new bosses? Yeah, and they were worse every time. They were worse. <laughs> of course. Their, they weren't worse like assholes. They were worse at their jobs, which, uh, once again, I, which meant I had to pick up the slack on that. I had to do more of the project manager duties, like figuring out, you know, that's another, orders, con you know, uh, uh, like scheduling uh, stuff with the customer. Oh, jeez. Like, yeah. And that's that's like, another that's common thread. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It seems like a lot of these bosses are, you know, it, if they're not, you know, abusive and toxic, they're incompetent. It, it seems like that is a common thread throughout a lot of your jobs. I think, and, and like, I kept having to remind myself because, like, that's where my mind goes. They're like, these people are incompetent. These people are dumb. But really, yeah. I don't think it's that. I think, oh, I think a lot of those project managers were overworked and or thrown into the job too quickly. Mm, and yeah. also, like. The other problem at this place was like the project manager job for them was also kind of two separate jobs because dealing with insurance is kind of its whole, a whole thing. Mm -hmm. And they had come more from that side. Like there were people there who had worked as insurance adjusters and they didn't know anything about how a building goes together. So like a lot of the times I was frustrated with them because they weren't doing stuff that I thought a project manager should do, but that's because they were mostly dealing with getting money from the insurance company for the massive amount of water damage that had happened in this building when the insurance company doesn't want to pay anything. That, that makes sense, yeah. So, like, a, a lot of it was just because of the market niche they were in. I decided, like, that is not where I want to be because it was paying, like, the same as new construction when it's way... It turned out to be way harder. Way more involved. But, but in the end, I, I got out of it what I set out to get out of it, and that was, like, a, a 
practice zone for picking up some new parts of the trade because I was kind of weak. Before then, I was weak on more of the wood side of uh, framing and uh, uh, stuff like finish carpentry. And I definitely got an opportunity to like perfect, well, if, if not perfect, then like practice and get a lot better at those things. I also picked up a lot of I picked up a lot of new tools while I was there too. Just taking a little bit of money out of each check and buying something. Nice, yeah. So I mean, it wasn't it wasn't all for nothing. You got right. a couple of notches on your belt. For sure. Um, what's what's next for you? Do you know yet? Um, I think I'm going to try the sole proprietorship thing. Um, for now, for the summer, I'm I've got a few tasks that are more like they're more volunteerism than they are like trying to make money. But I, I'll probably make a little money off of both. I got my girlfriend's dad is kind of a pack rat with regard to like vintage electronics, mm. like, to to the effect that he's paying too much of his social security income for like and his retirement for like storage units full of stuff oh my goodness he's finally realized he needs to get rid of it yeah so i'm gonna help him get rid of it and we'll split the money nice Um, nice i've already sold a bunch of his vintage calculators on ebay so that's what i've been doing the last two weeks um so that's one project is to help him clear out what he wants to clear out and then the other project is i'm gonna help my buddy with his mom's house again back in the Midwest. Cause it's, it wasn't built very well in the first place and it's kind of falling apart. She needs a new roof. She needs uh, the drywall in her living room needs to be finished. Um, she needs a new porch. We already did a ton of work there. Uh, right when that was the other thing I forgot about that. When COVID first started, like right before it started, I went out there to, to help with the, with uh, that house. So when it was first kind of, when the COVID panic was really starting to take over, mm-hmm. I was thousands of miles away from my home. Oh man. <laughs> In the Midwest helping my buddy fix his mom's house. You're like, yeah, am I going to get stuck here? Down. Yeah. That, that's exactly. It was crazy. I yeah. remember when it turned and I was in Indiana and like, everyone was suddenly wearing masks in the store and like people were panic buying stuff. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, very surreal. Absolutely. It was surreal being, being stuck back in the Midwest for all that. Yeah. I mean that, that would be. And then then flying back like a couple months in, like wearing a mask the whole, you know, the whole flight and there's nobody else. There was like five other people on the plane. Like, yeah, that, that, that sounds eerie. I, I, uh, wouldn't have wanted to jump on a plane then. Um, well, that's cool. You know, it seems like kind of relatively low, low stress projects, you know, to kind of get you through, you know, and, and, uh, then, you know, then you're going to start your own business. Yeah. I mean, the handyman stuff is super easy. I've always been good at coming up with like creative solutions on the fly. Like, I think there's a market for handyman work where you're, where the object is to fix it in a way where it's actually going to be fixed but might not be like aesthetically perfect and do it in, for a low price. Cause like for a lot of reasons, construction and handyman like type work, the costs are just soaring. And the big thing is like a re- recurring thing with these jobs I've quit is the customers are just agitated because they've, they've been waiting like six, eight, sometimes 12 months for this, for Damn. any work to get to get done because like that's what lead times are like because there's they're so short on labor and like the covid supply crunch was really hard on like construction materials uh-huh. because a lot of it was made in china or it was made in places that did a much better job doing lockdowns sure like, yeah like uh, lead times are just through the roof and customers are really agitated 
for that and, and the cost. And I, I just think there's a niche I could fill and, and have a lot more independence, you know, be able to like do like a week of 10 hour days and then like take a week off, you know, yeah. travel. And, you know, I'm a photographer. Like I, I got stuff I want to shoot. Like there's stuff I can't shoot when I'm working a, a regular job 50 weeks a year, you know? Absolutely. No, I, I, I think that's an awesome idea. I think you, yeah, you just, you go for I just it. want more independence. I think like you've got, not, got enough experience, uh, you know, under your belt where, where you could do that confidently. Um, so I, I've got a couple more questions for you before we uh, wrap things up, if that's cool with you. Sure. Um, I wanted to ask, this is just you know you personally because because everyone kind of you know deals with this uh in in different ways um but how do you deal with uh an absolutely miserable work environment um unfortunately you know a lot of times i stick it out for longer than i should just because i don't know maybe part of it maybe because i was raised catholic maybe because i was you know the boss's kid like uh-huh. i had a chip on my shoulder about being the boss's kid like i stick out with with suffering a <laughs> lot more than even other construction workers and like a part of that too is like probably an unhealthy way for me is like a, a lefty and like somebody who really doesn't see eye to eye with a lot of the people in the business because a lot of them are really right wing like it's a yeah. bunch of conservative Republican dudes in the business. And a lot of times I can just outwork the shit out of those guys. <laughs> like they're, a lot of those guys are fucking, they're weak, man. Like they really can't put in the hard work. How satisfying you know, is a that? A lot of times it's good. It is. It's so satisfying. And like a big <laughs> part of my radicalization comes from the fact that like, uh, you know, like, I'm a white dude. I was the boss's kid, but I spent a lot of time in the field working with like first generation immigrants and they are like, they blow all of us out of the fucking water, man. Yeah. They work 14 hours a day and think nothing of it. Cause like their kid gets a good education and they have a house to go to. Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, great motivators. And, and, you know, I think a, a lot of that, um, conservative, uh, narrative is is pure projection you know <laughs> like they're actually the lazy uh you know exactly POSs. like these fuckers live in the suburbs they drive like an yep. f-350 that never gets scratched and they're mostly like project managers and stuff they have a clipboard they exactly. wear a polo and khakis onto the job site they're just they larping think they're blue collar and they think they work and it's yep. like no most of it is done by like guys from mexico and guatemala or the philippines who like had it way harder than it was before they got here and like they work they work like it's their whole life because as long as like they have a secure future for their kids that they're willing to do that yeah yeah it's a completely different comparison totally yeah no that's that's very well said um do you feel like escape from the job jumping trap is possible um i think it's a lot more possible as a sole proprietor, self-employed, you know, contractor than it is trying to find a good job or a bot with a boss that isn't a piece of shit. Yeah. Like that seems to be really rare, especially in this country. Like definitely something about the system. Just, it feeds the worst people into leadership at, at workplaces. It seems like Absolutely. even when they're not terrible people, they're usually not able to adequately plan 
in a way that makes the job as smooth as it should be for the people actually doing the, the, the real work that the customer pays for, you know? And it's not even just shittier for the employee. It's shittier for the customer who's paying the money for the service. It's, it's less, it's a lot of times I see bosses do stuff that hurt them, that hurt their profits. Like, they do yeah. stuff that is actually not just worse for the employee, the customer, but also for themselves. Like absolutely, a lot of them are so so disconnected from you know how the workplace functions on the ground level that you know they 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 kind of have counterintuitive ideas and and they don't even actually care to run them by the workers before implementing them uh, and. That can lead to some some you know trouble you know and, and then eventually it, it it goes down to the customers and and then of course they'll blame you know whatever worker that that they uh you, you know dislike the most or whatever uh, right and it's not even like i i fall into the trap of letting it get personal at a lot of these jobs but really it's systemic like yeah the system it's kind of like the thing with police like this it's not personal it's the system selects yeah for certain type of people to, to stay in these jobs like if you're if you're smart you realize that doing this job well means it becomes your whole life like there's no checking out of it it's not a nine to five like if you're a good project manager you're gonna get texts and phone calls into the night like yeah it becomes your whole life if you're doing a good job of it and most people don't want to do that so it only lets people who are willing to check out and not do a really good job or people who have some kind of mental block where they convince themselves they're doing a good job where they, when they aren't. Absolutely. Like it's, so it's systemic. Like it's not, it's not really a, the personal faults of those bosses. It's, it's the system and the, all of the flaws in it and it's perverse incentives. It is. And, and you know, if like you ever read some of those like, uh, like psychology of like upper management books, you know, there, there's like a bunch out there for people who are like, you know, aspiring managers climbing the ranks or whatever. Like a lot of that shit is like really psychotic, you know, it's like, it, it's, it, it's a very gross way of treating people and like, um, manipulating your employees. And, and, uh, it, it's, yeah, it kind of dehumanizes them, uh, which is shitty. Uh, <clears throat> and not just that, it's inefficient. It actually yes. doesn't work for the for the, the cold-hearted, profit-seeking model that they, they think it does. You know, it doesn't work like they think it does. Exactly, yeah. I, I, I've seen it be so inefficient. Like, taking care of a worker, tr properly training and motivating a worker, like, the value of a skilled tradesperson is so so high like it's so easy to make money when he when you're able to churn out quality work especially in my business because there's just so many hacks yeah yeah but it, you know it's always a shortcut it's always uh short-term profit and and it's i mean it it does backfire um so what would your life look like if you didn't need to work and all of your needs were met uh I, I I'd like to think I would I would devote a lot more time to volunteering. Like right now, I'm out of work and planning to be for a while. I was lucky to build up a decent amount of savings, so uh, I, I think I'd try to help people with stuff, especially like fixing 
you know, fixing doors in their house that don't latch anymore, you know, yeah. fixing a leaking roof. I've got pretty good at chasing down leaks at this last job too, because we had a lot of water leak investigations and stuff. Um, I would try to help people with their houses and stuff, you know. A lot of housing stock in the United States is completely falling apart. Like, yeah. We're not just not building enough, but we're also not maintaining well enough. I mean, we're it's we're not maintaining an anything. It's severe crisis. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can see it with infrastructure already, but um I'm sure housing is is right there, you know, with right. it. And also like just being in a in an earthquake zone in Seattle and also just living in the United States in 2023, I'd like to get more into like uh, mutual aid disaster relief stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think Getting that's ready for crises because they're one crisis or another is inevitable. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's right around the corner, whatever it is. I think that's a, that's, think, that, that's a great plan. I think as a lefty, like, you know, when I was younger, I was like, oh, we need to smash the state. We need to do revolution. But as I'm growing older and seeing more and more of the shit show that is the United States, like, we don't have to tear anything down. It's falling apart. I know. Yeah. Yeah. We need to come up, we need to come up with alternative institutions That's to take up the slack. Exactly. It. Yeah. It, it will fall apart of its own accord, but we have to really lean into community and you know mutual aid i think is 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 a hugely important um aspect in it you know we have to get closer to you know the people around us and and you know make genuine connections and be genuinely helpful so i think that's a great step towards that um well joe thank you so much for coming on the show i really really appreciate it you you had some fucking grade a quitting stories you know some of the best i've heard yeah those really really great um is there uh anything you wanted to shout out or plug before we wrap things up uh no not really i try to maintain kind of a low profile in my my personal life uh i'm able to sell a fair amount of my work just on my own offline so nice nice kind of wary the whole internet self-promotion world yeah i mean i i, I don't a, i you. did a piece of art in when i was in college that kind of caught caught me some like 15 minutes of fame and that was not a it wasn't a fun experience but it also was beneficial in that like part of the reason it kind of hit was i got arrested for it it was kind of a vandalism street oh, art piece damn dude so uh yeah but having like reporters like hound me down and stuff like that like it yeah. wasn't great kind of kind of backfired yeah i mean that that's i i think that's a smart move i it's it's uh even for people with without that kind of experience it you know can be nightmarish so you know more power to you with low profile um well hey you know thanks again man really really appreciate it uh let's talk again sometime yeah look forward to it awesome have a good night take it easy you too